What's up, y'all? You are listening to For the Artists, a podcast brought to you by Creative M Projects. I'm your host, Melissa Cherie, and I have a special feature in-house today. His name is Jeff Gardner, okay? And you guys need to send him a lot of extra love from wherever you're listening from because you know what? We go way back. I don't know if we'll say how far back, but we go way back. Let me tell you about Jeff, okay? Jeff is thrilled to be returning to the Mark Taper Forum after working with Felicia Rashad. Yes, I did say Felicia, okay? We'll find out if he's on a first name basis. Um, Blues for an Alabama Sky. A sound designer, folly artist, and actor based in Los Angeles. Additional credits include, but let me throw in, are not limited to, because y'all, if you see his resume and his credits, they are long, okay? But that has nothing to do with his age. Anyway, in the upper room at Denver Center for the Performing Arts, The Cake and Paradise Blue at the Geffen House, Native Son at Kirk Douglas and Antius Theater Company, He's also done work for the Wallace Annenberg Center, Pasadena Playhouse, A Noise Within, Circle X Theater, Echo Theater Company, Rogue Machine. I mean, my goodness, y'all. Shakespeare Theater Company, DC, Arena Stage, the Kennedy Center, Cleveland Playhouse, Williamstown Theater Festival, as well as the Edinburgh Festival Fringe in Scotland. Jeff can be seen. At L.A. Theater Works, where he regularly performs live uh, sound effects, okay? We'll get into his online stuff, but Jeff and I went to the L.A. County High School for the Performing Arts. Jeff, welcome! Thank you, Melissa. (laughs) It's so good to see you. It's been a long time. We reconnected. We were working on a project together, and I'm so glad because I was able to be like, hey, Hey, do you want to come on the podcast? And I'm so yes. glad you said yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so let me start here because you graduated from LOXA, same as me. And did you go right into, th- I mean, did you just make that jump right in out of graduating from high school into doing theater, like professionally full time or, you know? Uh, yeah, when I was uh, at LOXA, I was, uh, as a theater student, I actually went straight into PCPA, which is a conservatory in Santa Maria. And I studied acting. I continued studying theater. (laughs) And uh, long story short, I did not uh, graduate from PCPA. I had some, uh, I had some personal issues and there was some stuff going on. I didn't really feel like that was the place for me. It wasn't the right Mm -hmm. time. And so I left there. Uh, to go to Williamstown Theater Festival in Massachusetts and basically continued uh, working in theater there. Had a really great summer learning how to be in a a repertory theater and had the most fun, met some really cool people. And I've had lifelong friends with them since then. And this was back in what, 94. Um, So I credit actually a lot of sort of my early network creatively uh, came from going to Williamstown and not finishing uh, conservatory. So. <laughs> so sometimes it's a good thing to not finish. <laughs> it's, it's a good thing. And I actually was, you know, at the time it was very, it felt kind of a bit like a failure. I was like, oh, I'm not going to continue. But I had gotten so much stuff from LOXA. You know, our training at LOXA was um, incredible and valuable. I mean, everything that we learned there is kind of like what I would have learned in a conservatory. So 
I kind of felt like I was, there was a lot of redundancy in continuing that sort of journey mm -hmm. there. So um, I just fell in love with uh, wanting to work regionally as an actor. So, so I just left from there. I just went um, to DC um, and continued working there as a regional actor and just kind of hopped around from place to place. We'd go from DC, do some Shakespeare, went to Seattle, did theater there. Um, and just wherever I could go back to LA, do some film and some TV and then work on some more, uh, theater in town. But, you know, this is all I ever wanted to do. It's all I knew was just to act was to be on stage. Um, but as often happens with our journey, it, I definitely, um, knew there was more, I just wanted to do theater, but I also wanted to create. And so a lot of the relationships I picked up along the way, there was this kind of interesting relationship to sound and to music, um, to sound effects. Um, I don't know if you remember at LOXA, but we had a radio, um, 1940s radio kind of class. And we would workshop and do these 1940s radio uh, presentations where it was like a Christmas Carol, 1940s style. And mm -hmm. we would do like the shadow and um, all these different kind of really interesting 1940s Mercury radio type shows. And I never forgot that, but I had always kind of stored that away and just kind of behind me. And it wasn't until like, God, I think a, a decade later that I started to get interested in, oh, maybe there's something more. Maybe I can also do this when I'm not acting, you know, when I'm being challenged by auditions and, you know, not getting the kind of work that I wanted. So I started to create a show that was centered around um, sound effects. And so I created this, this one man show called Kill Your Television, which um, was a challenge for me to create a show that was no spoken dialogue, no, everything was going to be from out there, like sound effects and, you know, voices and things that would kind of be in the ether that would challenge uh, me to, um, I don't know, just create this, this work. And so the show, Kill Your Television, was a, um, a one-man show about a, <laughs> a couch potato <laughs> who gets possessed on this, on this rainy day, gets possessed by his television and gets hijacked and taken on this journey where he goes through all of these wonderful things that are his, that he fell in love with in TV. And, and I fell in love with, with radio and, and sort of sound effects through that. And so since then, I've always kind of balanced the two between creating sound effects as a Foley artist, um, designing sound and also acting. So those, those have kind of been my mainstay as a creative artist just kind of challenging myself to blend and and kind of those three things kind of alternate and educate me on um who I am as an artist oh my gosh okay Jeff first of all the things that you're saying are so rich with stuff that I have I have questions bubbling up okay <laughs> <laughs> I'm like where shall I go first um let's 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 go back to the whole you feeling slightly like maybe a little bit of a failure because you started something and you weren't going to finish it, right? Because I think that's very powerful. The fact that you could identify that, hey, this is not working 
and I'm going to switch. I'm a shift. I'm going to change directions because I feel like there's so many artists, especially when they're young and they're just starting out. It's like they might have a dream and they're so laser focused on that dream that they just keep chugging, chugging, chugging at that thing. And they don't allow the the changes and the adaptiveness to maybe shift and go in a different direction, you know. So how did you how were you able to did you have help knowing that or was that just like a gut thing for you? Well, the the thing that happened sort of PCPA Personally, I, it was, um, it didn't feel like a safe uh, place for me, for one, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll start there, that it was, uh, I didn't feel like I was nurtured <laughs> okay, in the good. same way that I was being nurtured at Loxa. Loxa, as, as we know, is one of the most nurturing places on the planet. And I felt like I was really, I came into my own. I didn't really live my life until I started working, knowing, understanding that I could be uh, an artist at LOXA. And so we had these amazing mentors, of course, that would nurture me. And when I went to PCP, I didn't feel like I had those same mentorships or that same sort of just nurturing. And so leaving there was not easy. And it certainly meant that I could go, yeah, well, this is it, right? I mean, I'm what career am I gonna have? I can't even finish here. But I, at the same time, I think I knew that leaving there was probably the best thing I could do for myself, for my health, for my sanity, for my creativity. Um, And I'm glad it was (laughs) Mm -hmm. because you just don't know. And so when I started searching for whatever that new thing would be, it was really just about finding my clan in other places, finding my family. And I was very lucky to find it in many different places, you know, all over the country. DC was a big home for me creatively. It's still, I think, one of my favorite artistic homes. Um, But but the shift into sound or into sort of combining other um, sort of, I don't know, I guess another discipline, that was one that came kind of accidentally Mm -hmm. where my pinpoint, just like you said, I was totally laser focused on acting. That's all I was ever going to do. I was going to go to Juilliard. I was going to work on Broadway. I was mm-hmm. going to do movies. I mean, of course, that was my, you know, 16-year-old brain thinking this is all I was ever going to do. Yeah. So when there were periods of spurts where I wasn't doing anything, where I wasn't working, I had to challenge myself to say, what is it you really want? And if if these roles aren't coming, what is it that, that you can do to still feel like you're part of something special, being part of being creative. Cause I wasn't ever going to do anything else, but be creative. It may not have been just acting, but I knew I had to create. And um, because I had remembered those 1940s classes, um, which by the way, I even did 1940s radio theater outside of LOXA. I, I had some of my friends from LOXA, mm-hmm. we created a radio theater company. So <laughs> that was always in the back of my head where it was like, oh, okay, maybe there's something there. And so, so I just said, you know, hell, I'm going to create more. I'm going to create a radio theater idea. I'm going to create um, a discipline where I can sort of learn more about sound and music and I'm just going to do it. And I don't know what's going to come out of this. I have no idea, but I love it. I enjoy it. And so I 
took myself to a, a conservatory for um, sound where I learned how to edit Pro Tools and create sound and learn about Foley more in depth with people who were doing Foley for movies. And I fell in love with it. I just said, oh, this is so exciting. And I'm still an actor where mm -hmm. I get to like, you know, create sound effects, like footsteps and, you know, cloth and fights and different kind of things that I can match action to. It's still me performing, but it's, um, but it's for, it's being of service to a sort of a greater thing than myself. And I just thought that was the coolest thing. So yeah, I, I guess, I don't know if that answers it, but that's sort of how I that answers it. disciplines. Yeah, that answers it. And it's very cool. I love the fact that you just brought up that, I mean, it was as simple as you tapped into something that resonated with you, like that you loved, that you really liked and were, were interested in. Because I feel like, now with the way that things are it's almost like we undervalue when we have a love for something <laughs> it's almost like ah poo poo on that okay you love it but what pays the bills you know yeah. and and that continues to be perpetuated in society and it's it's just like it's just like oh it grieves me you know it's like because there's a reason why we love certain things like it's so connected to how we're wired, how we're designed, what we're created for, I think, in terms of a purpose. Yeah. So to negate that or dumb it down or undervalue it almost like because you love something like, you know, do you understand what I'm saying? Like, I don't Absolutely. know if you've come across that. Yeah. Um, and I feel like artists especially have to deal with that a lot because we are so passionate about you know, when it comes to creativity, it's like we're just so passionate and yeah. people almost are like, OK, that's that's just your creativity. You're just passionate about that. But yeah. like, focus on something real. It's right. like, why can't that be real? <laughs> but it's so real that it can't be anything but like there's nothing that's going to I don't want to say like get in your way, like there's obstacles, but that's what you want. And if you're right, if, if our heart is really set on that, it's almost it does feel manifest. It does feel like there's nothing that you can possibly do that's going to be other than that. Like I, yeah, I've done other things. We all have, you know, we support ourselves. I was a catering manager. I was working in cubicles, you know, doing like selling um, software and selling like long distance, but we know our heart tells us and my heart did, there was no creativity in any of that. There was no value for me. My heart just wasn't full doing any of that. And it, mm -hmm. It just felt like I had to find something to make me happy. And yeah, of course, it's not easy, but, you know, I, I, I had to go to school, back to school to do that. So LOXO was my school for acting. And I went back to school to learn how to create sound and create and design. And, and I spent a lot of money on it. I kind of put myself in debt. But, you know, the reward is, is huge for me. I get to go into a darkened theater and listen to music and sound effects swirling around in the theater and creating these wonderful um, shifts and transitions and underscores that actors can enter into these sonic soundscapes. And that's the, that's the stuff that I love. I love it as an actor doing it. Mm -hmm. And I love it as a designer being able to sort of take a backseat and really just take in the whole storytelling and see how it comes together. I love that. Love it. <laughs> You're making me love it. Okay. I mean, it's like <laughs> oozing. I can feel the love. Uh, <laughs> oh, you know what I forgot to tell you? I was like, listen, if I, oh. if I ask a question 
and you don't want to answer it. Yeah. You can totally bow out. I tell everybody that and I forgot to tell you that. So that's just an aside because I want to ask you this. Um, just in terms of like what what was your your home life like? And the reason I'm asking that is because so far in the things that you've shared, there's been different points where you've had to make some pretty risky decisions. I would say, <laughs> I mean, it's like they, there's a risk to saying I'm not going to finish this program or there's a risk to saying, OK, I'm graduating from high school. Now I'm going to go into training. There's you know, there's all these risks associated with these things. And I'm like and you talked about finding your clan, you know, when you went to, I think, Massachusetts. Yeah. yeah. So I'm like, what was your environment like prior to all that? I mean, what did your did you have an environment that set you up to be like, I am cool with taking risks because I know that I have a support system and they got me or I'm just curious. Right. Yeah, um, I think it's funny as the years go by, I think. My remembrance of things, uh, my attachment to things changes, and certainly when I was growing up, my attachment to my home life was that it was certainly not very nurturing. It wasn't healthy. It wasn't something that it was almost something I needed to break free from. Mm -hmm. And as the years go by, I see that there are moments where my family, I did my father after I was, I think five or six, my mom, uh, maybe three or four, my mom had divorced him. And so I was raised by another man for the rest of my life who I, who I didn't call dad, but I called him uh, by his name, Angelo. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they were nurturing in a, in a different way. You know, obviously they took care of me they put a roof over my head. I had clothes. I certainly was not without, Yeah. but um, there were markers that showed me that going to LOXA is one. I asked if I could audition for LOXA. It was a big decision, but they did say yes. So obviously they were nurturing in that respect. So um, there was another one where West Covina Playhouse, where I grew up in West Covina, there was a, a community playhouse. Mm -hmm. And I asked if I could audition for a show there. And it was, you know, maybe there was a little bit of, you know, ideas of like, I'm not sure that we can let you do this because it's after hours and, but they let me do that. So even though I have memory markers that say it was a very difficult sort of not nurturing childhood, they did allow me certain things that they knew I couldn't be without that, that I needed for my, my soul. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I look back at it and I go at the time, it was really difficult. <laughs> and there were times where I had to step away. I think there was even a year where I went without speaking to my parents at all. Mm -hmm. But um, but they were there to sort of help say yes. So it couldn't mm -hmm. have been that bad. <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense, like where the memory and the marker sort of as I've gotten older, I go, okay, it's not as bad. Like, yes, it, it was bad. It felt bad because you're in it. And it's like, yeah. oh, you're crying. And you're like, you got to let me do this. You know, you're going to, I hate you and those kind of things. But you look back at it as an adult and you go, yeah, it was bad, but it could have been worse. <laughs> <laughs> it can always be worse, right? Because they did allow me again. I'm, I'm at LOXA. That was my opportunity. I'm, I was able to do that. Um, but they didn't understand it. They for sure definitely weren't going to just to be honest, like they were going to pay for me to go to college. Mm -hmm. And when I told them where I was going to go to uh, an arts conservatory, 
absolutely not like we're not paying you to say to be or not to be on stage you know that was literally what they said and I was like this is what I want you put prom you know you had said so you know there's a an instance where it was like I felt that I was being sort of squelched in my passion but um but they were wanting to take care of me like you said passion you know your parents want you to succeed and your friends want you to succeed but just because you have passion doesn't mean that money's coming in and the money's in, you know, it's out there. You still have to get it. So, <laughs> so yeah, so yeah it, that, that part was a very confusing thing for me because I knew I was, I was never going to do anything else in my life. There was just no choice. I had no choice, mm. but, but I had to find that for myself and I got a scholarship. I ended up getting a scholarship at LOXA to pay my full ride at, at the conservatory for the time I was there. <laughs> nice. um, and everything was very much self, self-starter, but then going, okay, who else in my network knows about this and might have influence or help? So my community, my clan, my family, really, it was more out there than it was at home. It was out there in the theater world where I was able to find solace and find comfort in myself, in others, you know, knowing that I was worth it, knowing that I could do this, that I was of value, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so hopefully it's answered the family. Yeah. It's complicated, but it, yeah, it's, it's all just, you know, it, it's, it's your truth and your remembrance of it but it's, it's nowhere near as bad as it could have been. So I'm very thankful for that. Yeah. But our, I mean, our, our truth and our perception is, I mean, it's key <laughs> Everything. because it, it basically guides, you know, how we flow and how we move because yeah. that's how we take things in and that's how we internalize them. Absolutely. So. And, and at the time, my truth was, this is, this is horrible. I don't want to live like this. This is absolutely I felt just denied, you know, a lot. And I felt really um, belittled, you know, and like diminished for wanting to do more than my part. Like it would be okay if I just wanted to go through life and, you know, do nine to five, not have any ambition and just be there and be loyal to mom and dad and the family. That was enough. At least that was bestowed upon me that that is the structure that they were comfortable with Mm -hmm. so for me wanting more than my share was probably um it probably felt like i don't know if that's a a violation or whatever you want to call but it just didn't it didn't gel with what their lifestyle goals were so Mm -hmm. so yeah i'm very i'm very much the black sheep in that way and i definitely um yeah, I, I just felt alien <laughs> until I mm-hmm. discovered people like you at Loxa. And then I was like, oh, wow, there are other freaks and like amazing <laughs> people that really are passionate about singing and dancing and acting and like just enjoying your life to the fullest and not being told you're too much. Take it down a notch. Turn down the volume, you know? Yes. I feel like even in adulthood, people are still like, whoa. <laughs> and it's like... I'm not even being extra. I'm just being myself. <laughs> right. You're just being yourself. Turn it down. Just a couple uh, notches. <laughs> just a <laughs> like, couple no, notches. I like uh. Uh, Oh, no, I totally get that. And a lot of my friends are that way. You know, I'm married to an artist and she, 
you know, I know that that was the same thing for her. She would get that sort of idea of like people saying, you know, I have to turn it down. You're too much. And it's like, this is me. This is who I am. Like, what are you trying to do? Tell me I can't just be in my skin and like you know, <laughs> do that thing that I do that makes me who I am. Sometimes it's not even what we do. It's it's just even sometimes how we present ourselves, like even in our our dress or our, our clothing or something like that, you know, right. And it's like, wow, are you doing all that? I'm like doing all of what? I'm not doing anything. I just, this is what I like. (laughs) This is is what I do. So yeah. Yeah. I absolutely, absolutely understand that. And I was like a kid on Ritalin, you know, like I was, I wasn't, but it was like, I was jumping up and down and people would have to like, I just have a natural, I have naturally have a lot of energy. So sometimes it'd be like, what's going on with this kid? Mm-hmm. And I was on this steroid medication as a young kid because I had issues with my stomach, my mm. intestine. And so they would put me on that and it would make me even more like, <laughs> unlike you didn't need that. I was, I was already naturally at an 11. So like, you didn't <laughs> further than that, but Hey, thank God for, you know, having an outlet creatively, because as we all know, like without that, like, where would all that unused, that amazing energy go, you know? Mm-hmm. I have two brothers. I'm in the middle, middle child. So I see my older brother. I see my younger brother. My older brother used his energy and went in a completely different path. Not to mm-hmm. get so personal, but you know, I mean, hey, we're here talking creative and process. And yeah, my brother was, you know, when it's a bad crowd and found a scene that was very dangerous and 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 devastating ultimately for him. He died very young. He died in mm. his forties. And so I look and see that path. And then I have my younger brother who was a very good kid, very grounded and very successful in uh, creating his opportunities. And I'm in the middle and I just kind of see, you know, that I'm always kind of looking both ways mm. and seeing here's one path and then here's another path. And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of have those two on my shoulder the whole time going, here's one and here's another, what, which one do you want? Uh, so it's a very interesting road to like go, okay, yeah, um, this is what I want and I'm excited about it, but I know how easy it is to get lost, to just kind of surrender yourself to something that is out of, puts you out of control, you know? And so, yeah, it's, it's a very sad thing to see your, your family devastated by that. But, um, Mm. but I also think it's, it's a very valuable lesson to remember, like, how easy it is to get lost as a creative person. You know, we have tons of people, maybe yourself too, that like they lose themselves They because of failure, because of whatever, they don't live up to a standard. They turn to drugs and alcohol and it's mm-hmm. like, God, you know, it's, I see how easy that is. And I, I just couldn't, I couldn't choose that. I wasn't, maybe I didn't have the ism. I don't know if that's, you know, but I, I, I didn't even want to like try, <laughs> you know, it wasn't like I was even in a position where I was like, well, let's just try some of that and see what happens. You know, yeah. I, I just couldn't do that to myself because I felt like it was a dangerous road. Uh, my father was also addicted to um, heroin. So like coming from that, it's like, oh, I just, I have to create something new for yeah. myself and something that would be my path that Mm -hmm. would be on my terms and that I was sort of in control of it in a way that I wasn't going to succumb to the addictions of the sins of my father, you know, the past. 
So, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, wow, Jeff. I mean, we went to school together. It was a long time ago, but I have um, a deeper appreciation for you as a person, you know, hearing more of your story because I just, there's just so much richness there. I just had no idea, you know, I mean, kudos to you for being able to stay in a place where you're like, Ooh, I'm, I'm not going to go down that road. I'm not going to make some of those same mistakes. Right. Because I, I, I also see, you know, people that are aware of mistakes that have been made before them, like by mom, dad, or whoever. And even though they might say, I'm not going to do that, <laughs> they still end up going and doing that very thing that they said they weren't going to do. Right. So, I mean, it takes such a strength and your ability to be able to observe. And I love the, the phrase be present because I feel like you're so present like mm-hmm. in your life at some of the most vital times, like a lot of crossroad times. Thank you. Um, yeah. So, and I just, I appreciate that you also were able to like stay on that one thing that you were passionate about. Cause you talk about getting lost, right. It, you know, yep. it's getting lost and it's like, there's so much temptation. I mean, I was guilty of it myself, you know, in terms of, not staying with the one thing that you know is on your heart to do just because you love it and you're passionate about it and you get drawn away by the voices and the different temptations and then you don't stick with that one thing and then you end up losing time or just missing it altogether if you never get back to it and then all that's lost in terms of what because as a creative it's like all all that we have we're giving and we're sharing with other people it's not for us. Do you know what right. I mean? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And so we're robbing other people of the thing that we have inside of us when we don't stay true to whatever that thing is. Mm. Right. Yeah, that's powerful. And it's true. It is a great thing. I mean, service, being of service, is, it's, it's outside of ourselves. I mean, you know, I, yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. That's, a, that's an interesting way of putting it because I, it would feel like a loss, you know, to not be able to put that out in the universe, to, to continue putting that out. And, you know, we have a gift. There's a lot of different things we can do creatively, but it doesn't have a, an age limit necessarily too. So be, like we talked about this path and being sort of um, directional and very laser focused like blinders. But I think that line that I always thought in my head that would be just a straight line <laughs> yeah. has taken so many paths and so many like off-roading mm-hmm. adventures that I kind of realized that it's not, I never put it in words as linear anymore, that I know that it's going to take me here and I'm going to stop off for a little while and go, okay, here's some interesting sonic world that I can play with. And then I go over here and I learn a little bit about stage managers and like the journey that people have putting the craft together from behind the scenes in that perspective. And then I go and discover music. I mean, I, but it always brings me back to the road. And Mm -hmm. I know that that road, which is whatever it is, the creative road or theater or whatever that umbrella is, I can't ever get far away from it. I go to DC, I go to Seattle, I know that I'm going to find myself back on that road. I'm a better, 
actor because of the design and the music that I've sort of built for myself. And I'm a better designer because of the work I do as an actor. I, I always think that they um, educate and inform me, you know, because my lens as an actor is, I think most of us as actors, our lenses can be very singular. Mm-hmm. And we just look at our role. We, we go through the script and we look at our lines. But as a designer, I really have to look at all the lines. I have to look at all the characters. I have to paint every single person's story. So my iris and my lens is much wider than it ever was because of that. So to go back and forth with that knowledge, it's, I'm, I'll never be the same again because of that, because I see the story is not just about one person. Mm -hmm. The storytelling is about what the writer has given us. The writer has given us six characters in this universe that they coexist. And that's a gift for me that I was always maybe just focused on myself as a, as an actor. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so I think that was really valuable to me and I never forgot that. And so I can't ever go back now. Like I always look at everybody else that's in the story because it's not just me. Yeah. And that's why people come and see the show. They're like, okay, what is the parts? Like what is, who's telling the story at what point and where are all these souls being guided and what ultimately is the theme of the, of the play and what we're in learning. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm a, I, that's where the head and the heart go together. I can be very heady <laughs> and intellectual as a, as a designer, uh-huh. but joyful and like f- physicalizing the character as a, as an actor. Mm-hmm. Hey, heady and hearty. Sounds good to me. You don't want to be just a head or you don't want to be just a heart. Okay. You got, heady you got the best of both worlds. <laughs> so I definitely do that, Melissa. I'm heady and hearty all the time. Heady and hearty. I like it. You know what's really cool though? Okay. So la- from time to time, I do like these host chats, right? If I don't have a feature or whatever. Anyway, so last week I talked about, you know, that, um, oh my gosh, it's a phrase that's well known. All those who wander are not lost. Are you familiar? Well, I talked about that last week, but I kind of talked about it from like a tough love aspect of like, you know what? Don't be out there wandering (laughs) and wasting your time. You know what I mean? Especially if you know kind of where you're going. So I love that what you just talked about in terms of the straight path and, you know, having an idea of being on the straight path, but you end up coming up here, you end up going down here, but you still end up coming back on the path, still headed in the right direction. And I feel like it kind of ties into what I was talking about, because even though you might not be like exactly where you thought you would be on the path, you're not just hanging out aimlessly wasting time. Do you know what I mean? You're like figuring it out and learning and having all these things happen along the way that still are moving you in the direction that you need to be going, which is different than wandering, wouldn't you say? (laughs) Different than wandering. The soul knows what it wants and it's just going to go out here for a little bit and, and, <laughs> and they'll take a little piece. There's some pieces there that help the puzzle and help us guide us back. So yeah, absolutely. Wanderer. What is the phrase? All those who wander. All those who wander are not lost. Yeah, absolutely. I like that. Yeah. I don't know that I've heard that phrase before. I like that. Oh, okay. I thought it was kind of, <laughs> it, but now you know it, now you know it, know but, you. um, knowing's half the battle. I like what you just said, though. The soul knows what it wants. 
The soul knows what the soul knows. We That's quotable. Jeff. We can't escape it. We just can't. <laughs> Otherwise, we are lost, right? Otherwise, we maybe we are. I mean, you know, it's hey, listen, I, I, you know, we yeah. just had a reunion. We we had our wonderful reunion of some some odd years. <laughs> One of the things I found with the all of us um, that I've talked to briefly was that we're still creative beings. It doesn't matter what we're doing. You know, we're all kinds of things. Whether we go back to an office gig or whether we're you know, doctors or therapists or whatever it is, there's still thoughts and approaches that are creative that I've found mm. for all of us. So, you know, going back to the idea of like, what is success and what is failure? Like, that's what's so great is you go to these, you know, these absence of not having been with your friends for however many decades and you, you see them and their happiness and, and everything is still guiding them and they're still using their creativity to their fullest which would make maybe makes and separates them in the field that they've chosen um, because they have that artistic bent or that sort of other approach to what it is they're doing. So, you know, I, it's, it's a very success and failure around, I guess, completing what it is that you were destined or you think you were manifested to do. Mm -hmm. It's all relative. You know, we all have learned so much over the years and, you know, I think we're so spontaneous and creative beings, those those artists that have come together like we did at Loxa. And you realize that, that that's always with you. That never goes away. You know, it's yeah. always there. The way that you maybe parent, the way that you, you know, <laughs> your relationships with others, the way that you deal with stress. Maybe there's a creative response to it. And you realize that maybe there are certain things that, you know, you can't just define who you are because you feel like you didn't succeed the way that you thought you were on that path, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I, I, and you know, there's no, you certainly can't judge any of that. You know, we also fall out of love in things. We also fall out of love with our careers and maybe it's not as exciting as we thought it was going to be. Maybe it's too much business and bureaucracy. So we're like, no, my heart's not there anymore. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so you go and you find something else. I mean, you know, that's the yeah. thing, like, not that this is a podcast about success, but, you know, creatively, we always are, I find that all of us are still thinking that way. We're still outside of the box, you know, we're still like finding ways to, to think unlike, you know, any, anything else. I don't know if any of that. Yeah. But yeah, no, it totally makes sense. But listen, I mean, success, I think as we can totally talk about success here, because listen, I feel like it's really important for people to have your own measure for what success is don't use a measure that someone else is. we can determine our own validation for how successful we are or you know absolutely i feel like it's so tied to feeling it, it like whatever you choose to do whatever goals you choose to have it's like are you being successful in those things whether or not that's me making an exceptional dinner tonight. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Absolutely. Hey, my day was exceptional because I made a bomb dinner, like whatever it is, like, you know, we, I feel like we have to change the mirror or the lens. Yeah. And not compare ourselves. Certainly. Like you're saying, don't ever compare yourself to another person. If I did that, I'm a total failure as an actor. And as a designer, I'm still a fraud. Like I, you know, I'll still be pushing the fraud button every time. 
And yet yeah. I'm in places where I feel like if I look back at, you know, 20 year old Jeff or, or Loxa Jeff and go, well, this is what you're doing now. That would be success. But now I'm here and it's like, maybe there's never a, what is the Mark quote, the, um, on the, uh, divine dissatisfaction you know <laughs> but there's always something that keeps us marching and growing and and i think that never goes away i don't think we're ever sat completely satisfied as artists because maybe that's the point maybe we always want to keep you know growing and keep shaping yeah. what that is so i'm never you know i i can be happy knowing that once tech comes and i've created the sounds that i that i wanted once we open the play, I can walk away going, okay, great. That's a good version of what we were trying to do. Mm -hmm. But if we had another week and we were still working in the rehearsal room or in tech, I would be working until the end. You know, it's, it's like when some, what's the comparison, the analogy about if you have a week to do a project, you're going to do it in a week. But if they give you that same project and say, now you have a month to do it, you would <laughs> literally take a month to do that entire project. Uh, you know, I don't know what's to say which one's better because you have stress on one end where you're front loading and then you have the other stress of it's all relative. Yeah, but you know what? I, you know where I thought you were going with that? It's oh. like, OK, so you have a week or you have a month and it's like by the month you still do everything in that last week. You still don't actually use the whole month. You know what That's I mean? You feel like you have more time. That's probably very accurate in many ways, too. But yeah, <laughs> but they... <laughs> I will consume my, my brain will consume creatively a month of work and, and I may procrastinate for three of the weeks and yeah, maybe the last week is like gung ho, <laughs> but you know, if you have one week, it's like high stress and like, oh my God, like everything is consumed with that one week of putting together all the pieces and making it go. So, <laughs> but I don't know, does that define dissatisfaction? Does that resonate with you sometimes where Divine... the work that you yeah. Totally. Cause you know what? I feel like we never fully arrive, like we never arrive, you know? And I feel like for the people that do, they are, they're in denial or they're self-deceived because <laughs> as I feel like as long as we're living and breathing, there's more to know. There's more, you know, like there's still, we're just not going to be perfect. 100% fully arrived. Like, I feel like yeah. that's what life is. It's not till the transition to, you know, that and it's creative into. so creative is not like object creatively like what is perfect like you know we're you know we have awards to say like who is the best person for this and who is the best for that creatively but you know that's it's silly to try to define those things like perfect what's the perfect production of raisin in the sun you know we've seen many actors in those roles we've seen many people directed and it's like oh that's just a really incredible incredibly written piece of theater mm -hmm. and it could be all kinds of things but you're still going to get something from it and it's still going to be enjoyable i i don't know i just I've, I've lost touch with trying to be perfect in my work anymore and i've started to be comfortable with doing my best work and just knowing that that's good enough because i can't attain a value that is there's nothing there's no you can't ever attain that. It's impossible. Yeah. So I stopped doing that. And I'm more comfortable with myself as an artist now, which yeah. I guess is a big leap because I can look back at my career and go how nervous I was because I was thinking about my 
the perfection that was going to happen because I was doing this. And now I feel like a sense of ease when I approach my work that I've never felt before. It's getting Mm -hmm. older. Maybe that's all it is, but I feel like I'm comfortable now knowing that I have a skill set and that I have um, that I have some skills that I can use to to finish what I'm doing and that I can be comfortable knowing I have a team behind me, that I have this the history of what I've created behind me. So I'm I'm much more taken care of now. But 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 I do want to and I wonder with you and other artists if this is the same, that little voice that comes in that still is like the fraud, the fraud button that comes in and says, you're not good enough or you're not right, the right person, or you don't even have the experience for this. That still happens. But again, the the time that it takes for me to push that aside is much less now than it was, you know? Jab, that's some good stuff right there, okay? I love how eloquently you broke that down. Because you know what? <laughs> Vulner- <laughs> vulnerable moment. I, I mean, I'm not... The whole perfection thing, it's like when you grow up at, like as a child performer, okay? So since the age of four for me, I don't know how young it was for you. All right. But four? Yeah, four. So And you're always... I mean, it's wow. being drilled in you, the measure, right? This measure that you have to meet, which which ultimately is a sense of perfection for someone. But when you're that right. young, you don't understand, well, that's their idea of perfection. So you're always striving to please this level of perfection. And so even now into adulthood, I sometimes have to really like reel it in and check myself because it's 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 like it was wired in there at such a young age that sometimes it's hard to like remove myself from that and you just subconsciously are still trying to be this perfect whatever which is annoying which is unattainable but at four years old i mean wow that's yeah i I was i started when i was maybe 13 or 14 so yeah, mm-hmm. I can't imagine what that's like. And also I imagine, I wonder how many artists like yourself who start so young, if they fall out of love with that, because it's like, now you're an adult and you look back at something. I don't, can't even fathom that. I have so many questions myself because I don't even know what that's like. Because I know a lot of child actors and they are still creative, but they're definitely not doing what they maybe started out because like that's a business like that became a business and a practice that wasn't enjoyable wasn't loving it came from a place of like but you're not so I assume all this stuff is very well charted right for you in your journey mm-hmm. yeah I mean by the time I by the time I left Loxa I was like okay you know what it hasn't happened I'm tired <laughs> and I went off to college and the idea of studying for another four years, something that I have been doing, stuff that I have been doing since I was four, I was like, I, I'm not, I can't do it. I can't do it. I was like, and I, my, my school was like $26,000 at time. Who knows how much it is now? But I was like, that's a lot of money to, to do what? Like, I'm not going to waste that money. So then I, then I came up with my, I mean, I guess you could call it a plan B, but it was like, okay, let's come up with another career. And then I started going down that path. And then I came back to what really 
you know, I'm passionate about, which is music and singing, all of those things. But yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting. Right. And the and the fraud thing comes up, I'm sure, for everybody, but it's it's interesting for me because I I don't know. That's an interesting thing to to continue even at, at, at my age, our age. It's like you think things would just go away, but we're human beings and those things are, are naturally going to come up. But we have we have a, an amazing network of people that are there doing the same thing you are. Mm -hmm. we, we go into these rooms and put up a musical, a show, a, you know, a production. We're all there for the same reason. We're after the same, you know, hopefully that we're putting up this play and being of service to that and telling this story that you realize you're taken care of. And that's the thing that's really gotten me through a lot over the years is to know that there is a protection. You know, there's almost a protection that's even outside of the room that's looking in and going, this is important because you have thousands of people, hundreds and thousands of people coming to see this work and, you know, kids that are seeing a show for the first time, maybe a musical or Shakespeare for the first time. And, you know, that get to have this unique experience. That's one of a kind that changes who you are. I know it changed for me. I'm sure, you know, you're, I God, you were four. So, but for me as a teenager watching my first play and having someone from, this was Midsummer Night's Dream, Puck literally grabbed me and touched me as an audience member. It was like breaking through this fourth, this amazing magic, magical fourth wall and touched me. And it was like, whoa, it was like I was, I was, I was knighted or, or I was gifted this, this magic of being able to mm -hmm. understand something bigger than myself. And it was like, like my mind was blown away and it was never the same. You know, I fell in love with that. And, yeah. you know, I always look back at that and go, I hope that that's something that happens, you know, in the theater for that every day there's somebody that sits there and can sit and watch and be touched in the same way that there's this magic, you know, a spell or power that says, you know, and you too can now, you know, your world. It just, it's like you see color for the first time when you've been living in a black and white world. It's, yeah. it's really special, obviously. And it, I wouldn't be doing it if it wasn't, you know, it didn't fulfill me. And uh oh, you, you, you froze for a moment and you're frozen again. All right. Well, Jeff, I don't know if you can hear me. We'll give it a second. We are going to begin to wrap up. Wait, so. I hate it, but I also hope it never goes away. Oh, I can. Are we going, you can. Okay, good. Because you went, yeah, you, you were like frozen. So the last bit of what you said, we didn't hear. And that's the secret of the universe. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But you know what, Jeff, we are we are going to begin to wrap up soon because I, I, you know, I'm not going to have you on here for two hours, <laughs> although, I, I, although I clearly could um, I have a, like one, maybe two questions that are bubbling and then we'll just talk about some fun stuff and then we'll kind of okay. land then we'll kind of land the plane. But I wanted to know just from a practical standpoint, um, how do you kind of hmm you've talked about your soul and being fulfilled and like so what practically does that look like for you in terms of 
what do you do to make sure that you are like in a good space mentally, spiritually, emotionally? Like, is there anything that you do regularly or just curious? Or do you just often just constantly always observe and analyze and have thoughts? Well, I'm definitely always, my brain's always going and swimming. There's mm-hmm. always something. I, I think I could stand to meditate more um, and exercise more, which I've been doing a little more regularly. But I think my practice is like reading scripts and um, reading more stories. I feel that's my own sort of meditation. Listening to music is kind of what started it all anyways for me, mm-hmm. even before acting when I was a kid and I was upset or emotionally like just needed something. I would go in my room put on my Walkman and listen to music. And it that's still to this day, if I put something on in my studio, it doesn't even have to be related to what I'm working on. It's, it's emotionally, spiritually takes me to a place that kind of is meditation for me. So yeah. I guess music is, is my, not only the craft for me, but it's also my meditation and, and, ah, oh, music is the best. <laughs> I agree. And there's so much of it. Like, I don't even have like, you would almost wonder what kind of specific taste I have musically because mm-hmm. I just love it all. Like there's some things I maybe don't like as much, but um, I listen to everything because I find so much beauty in the different genres and the different voices. So that's, my, yeah, I guess maybe that's what it's become. It's my soul. It, it, soothes, it soothes my soul. Actually, soothes soul. I will tell you when I was a kid, my mom rocked me to sleep in my little crib. And you know, those little mobiles that hung, that make music, right? Yeah. Yeah. That would put me, that would put me to sleep. So ever since, and I have a memory of that for somehow, even That's though I don't remember awesome. anything before six, but I remember that music was soothing and meditative and it was just so good for my soul. So maybe that's what it is for me. I, I didn't realize it, but probably, yeah. That's amazing. That's beautiful. I can see that. Um, visually, I like that. Um, so who are some of the coolest people that you've been able to work with? Uh, I love that. There's so many great performers, directors, writers. Um, and through the years, like one of the highlights, a couple of the highlights for me, I do... Uh, I do live Foley for LA Theater Works. So I do live sound effects. Actors are on stage being recorded. They each have their microphone in front of them. And, um, and I'm over on the side with my table of props, recreating sound. Mm-hmm. And one of the plays we did, even the title, I guess it's okay, it's a podcast, but the title is The Motherfucker with a Hat. <laughs> and it's a Stephen Adley uh, Gerges play. And they brought the New York cat out to do it and the New York cast was amazing it was um this actor Bobby Cannavale um and they brought Chris Rock out who had done the original role on Broadway and Elizabeth Rodriguez and we just sat in this room rehearsing and just even like shooting the shit like hearing the stories but then also being on stage and watching Chris Rock try to throw an imaginary punch because they have to be on radio they throw an imaginary punch over to Bobby and I would be the one, you know, performing 
all of the fight and like an ashtray would fall and I would, the, it would be a break, like a glass, um, uh, uh, like a break box that I would use to break things. And all of that was happening in real time. That was a, a blast. And watching them watch me was like the most exciting thing because they literally would be on mic and then they would just turn and watch me perform. And it was like <laughs> this kind of, you know, give and take. Um, that was really cool. And then, yeah, my recent one, like I just worked with Miss Felicia Rashad on Blues for an Alabama Sky. And I mean, she's really, she's the queen. Like you just being mm. in the room with her, you realize why she is where she is. She has so, she has such gifts to offer, such gifts to give. And you realize that just being in a room with her and watching her direct, mm. watching her talk about the craft and the experience that she's had for how many decades that she's been doing this. And you learn so much because you realize her passion for what she's doing. She still is mystified why she's still doing it all these years. She still has that conversation. And that's a gift to realize that even at the height, that that never goes away, that that just makes it almost like, again, a sense of ease, knowing that we're all going to experience this. And it doesn't matter if you're at the beginning of your craft or at the height of your craft, but there's gifts that we have to offer and to give and to watch her is just, it's, it's so much joy because she really loves the process. Mm -hmm. She really loves working with actors and she loves music. I'll sit there <laughs> and, go, and go, Felicia, do you want to hear some of the stuff I'm thinking of like for the scene? And then all of a sudden we'll stop listening to music that's for the play. And I'll just put on some Luther Vandross or some James Ingram and we'll just sing because uh... we also want to have fun. We, we, we want to have a great time. And really we forget because we're so mm -hmm. like, again, our work is so much about like getting to the finish line. Sometimes we just need a little artist break, you know, and go, okay, it's time to put on some, some Luther Vandross. Let's all sing and relax. And that was really cool to just be in a room and just see that special craft, that, that process that she has lived, lived her whole life around. Mm -hmm. And for her to still be shocked when someone says, I want you to direct this play. She still gets like me, you want me to do that? Like, uh, what a what a joy, you know, what wow. a cool perspective to see that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, That's that awesome. was and that was the most recent one. And now I get to work on a brand new. Well, not a brand new. We're revisiting a show that Lily Tomlin did about 20, 30 years ago called Search for Signs of the Intelligent Life in the Universe. And um, Cecily Strong from SNL is playing that character. And we've been working together uh, remotely because she's in New York. But you see the joy there, too, to be able to take a story. And she's playing, like, I think, nine different characters. And you wow. see the passion that she has to, like, go in and out of these different characters. And it's exciting. It just never goes away. It's just someone else carrying the torch and the baton and watching them run with it and go, oh, my God, like, I want to go. Where do we go? <laughs> so I love it I just love I love the work I do and I'm so excited at a chance to tell another story yeah Jeff this has been an amazing conversation um I, I definitely will probably invite you to come back in the future at some point in time I mean I I feel 
honored to know you and I feel grateful to be reconnected with you again after all of these years. And I'm just, I just, man, I love that you're doing what you love and that, you know, that you're in the creative space that you're in. I I think it's amazing and it's inspiring. Thank you. That's really nice you say. And I'm so glad to be able to have this forum to be able to talk about this kind of work, what we do. You know, I think that's fantastic. So, and we're going to be talking a lot more offline too, which uh, I'm excited about. So, but thank you for this adventure. (laughs) Awesome. So is there anything that you want to shout out in terms of website, social media? How can people stay connected with you if you want them to be connected with you? (laughs) Well, I think just to see, to see this play that's coming up at the Mark Taper Forum, I believe we, I want to say we open on the 28th of September. It's Mm -hmm. at the Mark Taper Forum, Search for Signs of Intelligent Life in the Universe. It's unlike anything I've ever done, but yet it's used all the skills that I've been working towards this moment in time. It's combining fully. It's combining sound design. It's combining how I think as an actor emotionally. Um, The show is uh, a one-woman show with no... Uh, costume changes. There's no props on stage. So anything she does, if she's like, for instance, making a martini, Mm -hmm. then she's holding an imaginary thing, a shaker, pouring it, stirring whatever glass. If she's putting makeup on, that's all imaginary. So all of the sound is coming from our, from the sound department. And it's, there's like 500 sound cues, which I'm like blown away like it's literally like she puts she takes a cup puts it down on the table makes a sound if she throws it and it breaks that's all coming from me it's just exciting like what an adventure Uh so I want I can't wait for people to go on this adventure with me and that's on September 28th Mark Taper Forum and uh I think it runs for a month but that's the thing that's on my um sort of radar right now that I'm hugely excited about Okay. So you guys go to the website for the Mark Taper Theater, Los Angeles, and it'll have all the information for this show. And we all need to go. I need to look on there to see when I can go. Very exciting. (laughs) You can get some, I might, I might have some tickets under your name. Oh, Hey, y'all heard it. I got witnesses. Whoever's (laughs) listening. Woo. Woo. Damn. I have some tickets for me. (laughs) I love it. It's going to be fun. I'm so glad. Yeah. (sighs) All right. Well, we can, we're going to get ready to wrap up, but thank you again, Jeff. You guys have been listening to For the Artists, a podcast brought to you by Creative and Projects. I've been your host, Melissa Cherie, with the one and only Jeff Gardner. So until next week, y'all already know what I'm going to tell you to do, and that is to keep creating from the inside out. Peace. Thanks, Melissa. When was the last time you did some good with your money? Okay, this is a shameless plug for you to make a donation today to Creative M Projects. Go ahead and dip into your pocket, dip into your wallet, dip into your friend's pocket (laughs) and make a donation. It's easy to do. Go to our website, www.creativeandprojects.org. There is a give tab. And there are so many different ways to give. Yes, this is a shameless plug for money. But if you have other things you'd like to give, like your time, some sort of art supply or donation, we'll take that too. All right, y'all. Much love. Let's do this.